Welcome to episode 7 of season 5 of the KBB Review Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Davis. And this week we're getting an update on the availability of appliances direct from the horse's mouth, or at least one of the biggest horses in the paddock. Is the market still missing a shoe? Is it ready to come out and start jumping fences? Or are retailers still having to follow it with a bucket and shovel, picking up what it can when it hits the ground? The one thing we can conclude for certain is that I've stretched that horse metaphor much further than it was able to reasonably go, even for me. Let's just start again. This week, I'm talking with Luke Harding, the Managing Director for the UK and Ireland for Electrolux. So what is availability like for AEG? What's causing all the problems? What does it mean for prices and new product development? And the big question, when is it all going to get back to normal? So that's big questions for one of the biggest brands in the sector. Don't miss it. That's all coming up. But first... This episode is coming out on Tuesday, August the 30th, which means that in just two days' time on September the 1st, we are opening entries for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2023. That's right, the biggest and best awards in the industry is back, and we have categories for retailers, designers, installers, and suppliers, so there's something for everybody. Most importantly, it's still totally free to enter, but that's not all. If you're shortlisted, you also get two free tickets to the event in Cardiff in April. So what have you got to lose? Absolutely nothing, that's what. So if you've always meant to do it, then why not make it this year? It's not about the size of your business or the most expensive projects. It's about what you do with what you've got. To find out everything you need to know, go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards from September the 1st. And good luck. Right, as promised, joining me to talk all things appliances, we have Luke Harding, the Managing Director for UK and Ireland at Electrolux. Hello, Luke. Hi, Andrew. Good to speak to you. You too, mate. Now, look, firstly, thank you for coming on here to talk about this stuff, because I know it's not easy in the world of appliances at the moment, so kudos to you for being so willing to fill us in on what's happening from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Absolute pleasure. And uh, our approach throughout, Andrew, has always been to be uh, maximise transparency and honesty. So it's more than a pleasure to come on and speak to you. Well, good. And a second, a double thank you, as you're actually coming down the line from your holiday. So (laughs) another thank you to your family for sparing you for just a few minutes. No problem at all. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to be on holiday, but I know that lots of our uh, kitchen studio partners aren't on holiday and have uh, very busy order books to fulfil, so it's uh, it's the least I could do. I want to f- just explain to people if they do hear seagulls in the background, that's all. So, uh, look, let's get straight in with it, right? Let's start uh, with an update from you on where Electrolux are, and I guess in particular for the kitchen specialist market, AEG. What's the current status on availability and lead times as far as you, on you and your brands are concerned? today so we're in things are improving all the time i mean i'm not going to sit here and suggest that there haven't been problems of course we all know and anybody listening to this podcast knows that there's been um, supply challenges across the last two years as we went through the pandemic and they continue now um, and they continue to disrupt all sorts of supply chains across the world not just the appliance industry as we sit here now but the main thing for us as always to be as transparent as we possibly can with our customers and with our consumers um, to ensure that we give as many updates as we can and to structure our business around giving the best possible service that we can in these difficult times. 
Right, so are there categories in particular that you're still having significant problems with? Is it across the board? You know, where, does, where does the variations come? So the main challenge remains with electronic components, and that is particularly impacting dishwashers, um, which again, as I'm sure you're aware, Andrew, is, a, is an industry-wide problem. But having said that, again, uh, we have seen improvements, significant improvements over the last quarter, and we're forecasting for things to improve considerably again over the next 12 weeks. And that's why we're very much open for business and we're very much pushing the AEG brand through our studio partners as things recover. Now, these problems, they've obviously started off when the first lockdowns happened. That was March 2020. It's now August 2022. So these have been going on for quite a while now. So what are the the biggest current factors that are affecting availability? Or is it just sort of one thing piling on top of another? To be honest, it's still the uh, the impact of electronic components. That's the biggest single factor that limits. Uh, we don't actually have manufacturing uh, constraints in terms of the capacity in our factories. But what we do have problems with is sourcing enough electronic components to manufacture to demand, as global demand for electronic components has been so high over the last two years and, su- and supply has been constrained through the pandemic. Why are there such problems with chips? If you, if, like, if you can make anything, you know, why is that not getting better for them either? I think there's several uh, things that have impacted that. Increasing demand, so significant increasing demand across all of the products that we all buy, uh, whether that be automotive, kitchen appliances, uh, c- consumer electronics, there is significant increase in demand at a time when the pandemic has also disrupted those global supply chains. And of course, for the microchip industry to catch up, it takes several years for a, uh, a microchip factory to be built and to uh, establish supply to catch up. And is there still issues with you know getting stuff from A to B? Because obviously there's petrol crisis, there's petrol prices and everything else, but there's, you know, there's still problems at the ports. There's every now and again a, a ship will come along to block the Suez Canal. You know, is there still a problem of getting stuff from the factory to the consumer's house or the retailer's warehouse? We do see disruption. So we do see disruption in shipping lines. However, that has reduced um, and that is improving all the time. Obviously, the cost is still exponentially higher than pre-pandemic for any kind of shipping, as we all see at the at the till when we buy our fuel. But there, are, there is still some disruption, yes. And I guess wars and things don't help either. Of course. No, absolutely. And whilst that doesn't disrupt our um, supply chain specifically into the UK, of course, it's disrupted uh, worldwide shipping lines. Yeah. And of course, you've got to make stuff too out of stuff. So your suppliers of raw materials have got to get stuff to you in order for you to make it. Yes, absolutely. And of course, some of those raw materials are microchips, electronics, um, steel, etc. And many of those industries have seen disruption. I think we shouldn't forget that as recently as only in the last few months, up to 40% of China has still been in lockdown. That still significantly impacts uh, industries, significantly impacts uh, production and supply chains for those uh, those crucial components. I mean, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because you know, Mrs. Smith wants her kitchen, but this is such a global thing. This is such an international uh, uh, dilemma, and not just for this industry, for, for cars and for everything else that, that, that makes stuff as intricate as these things are. From the chair that you sit in, there just must be a, a mind-boggling network of things that all have to fall into place to get this to sort itself out. Yeah, and I think through the pandemic, we've all, as consumers, have all realised just how complex the world's supply chains are. 
but we have put in place mitigating factors at Electrolux in order to help. Um, for example, we've changed our structure around the supply chain over the last couple of years. We've put additional headcount in here in the UK in order to give the best possible supply that we can. And we also, wherever we can't supply a product, we actually upgrade as well, providing that that's suitable for the consumer. Uh, and after discussion with the designer or with the studio affected, we'll always upgrade the appliance wherever we can and wherever we can get supply. So what kind of measures have you had to put in place to grease the wheels, if so to speak, to get stuff to, to where it needs to go? Like, have you commented on the brands? I know you're, I know you're not going to, I'm not going to ask you to, but you know, other brands have rationed or limited ranges to particular channels, for example. Have you had to do anything like that? So we haven't rationed particular brands or particular models or, or taking any, done anything quite so extreme. Uh, what we've focused on is transparency uh, and, and openness with our retail partners. Um, we have extended some lead times where we've needed to at times. We've changed our structure, so we've put in an additional supply specialist that's dedicated to the uh, to the kitchen studios to that just to add that extra level of support to ensure that they're getting the communication required and that they understand where their appliances are. And as I say, we will always upgrade appliances wherever we can. But what we haven't done is limit supply of any particular lines to the studios specifically. Um, our studio partners are very valuable to us. They're long-term business partners and we're working with them. And we're also prioritising wherever we can, we're prioritising wherever consumers order products uh, with a, a long way out. And of course, they're ordering kitchens with six, eight, 10, 12 weeks notice. And therefore, we would always prioritise those consumers that, um, that are most at need because they're having a kitchen kitchen installed. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I was speaking to a retailer just recently and he was effectively saying that they'd taken for the just-in-time model that, that pretty much all appliances were working on pre-COVID. They almost took, they took it for granted to the point where, you know, one of the reasons why this has been such a shock to everybody is because they got to a point where they could literally order appliances a week and a half before the kitchen went in. I, like, I think we all took for granted the uh, the extremely smooth global supply chains that meant that as consumers we could get things almost on almost instantly, even with major purchases such as uh, such as cars. I think we took that for granted, and of course we've now seen that uh, disruption in those supply chains, the impact that can have, and that's where we're asking to work with the studios, and we're asking our studios to give us as much notice as they can and order products as far out as they can in order for us to help them also to uh, to maintain that supply. Yeah, and I wanted to ask about product development as well because. Obviously, with the electronic side of things being the issue, and that was the way everything was going in terms of sort of smart home, internet, Wi-Fi connection, all that kind of thing was where so much development was happening. What's your perspective on what's going to happen with, with that in the next couple of years? Is it basically stopped? Is it just a case of making the most basic models and getting them out the door? Is the R&D department at Electrolux still working hard? I mean, how does it work? For us, it's absolutely crucial that we give outstanding consumer experiences. So we wouldn't redevelop our products or, or reduce the quality of our products or the, or the spec of our products because we can't get the components at the moment. We're absolutely committed to ensuring that those products that we provide to consumers give a fantastic consumer experience. In terms of development and product development, um, of course, the shortages have meant that in some instances we've been in a holding pattern in, in relation to the implementation or execution of, uh, of new product development. 
development but the thinking behind the innovations is still very much ongoing and uh, I, I guess we, we, if anything we've had time to pause and reflect on what smart home and other innovations mean and that's been useful to give perspective and allow us to refine our, our thinking but I, I'm absolutely sure that we'll continue and uh, anyone at IFA later this year will absolutely see that our, uh, our rich line of, uh, of new product development coming to the market. Yeah, so interesting, isn't it? And again, I'm not going to ask you to comment on it, but it's clear that different companies and different brands are suffering to different levels in all of this. And maybe some are managing it better than others. I don't know how that works. But certainly some decisions that other brands have made clearly reflect a, a big slamming on the brakes of research and development because of the because of the shortages and problems that they're having. That's availability. Reading materialise of what you're saying here, it seems to be getting better, it seems to be easing, you seem to be able to predict and, and future plan things a little bit easier than perhaps you'd been doing. But what about prices? Because as we all know, the prices of everything is going up. I'm sure your suppliers are putting their prices up. But making decisions about putting prices up when availability is an issue, that's a real catch-22 for someone in your position. Yes, and I guess the, the thing is here that the the global inflation that we're seeing uh, is external to Electrolux and it's something that we have to deal with as an organisation. Now, as a global organisation and with a huge global company, we can work to minimise that impact wherever possible. But I think, well, certainly in my lifetime, this is one of the most seismic shifts that we've seen in the, uh, in the fundamentals in terms of inflation coming through at such a pace. And, uh, and there's only one real way that you can deal with that, and that is, uh, is to recover that through price. So have you put your prices up? Um, we've had to, of course, we've had to adjust our pricing in line with the inflation that's coming through. To what level is it? I mean, roughly speaking, can you tell me? That depends on the product and the category. Okay, so it's not an across-the-board thing? Um, it depends. It, the, the level very much depends on the product and the, and the category. Right, 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 okay. So look, I, I suppose I want to t- talk a little bit about those uh, those retail partners that you have because all the big brands that, that serve the, the kitchen studio market have this um, partnership program with them. Yours, obviously, AG has it, but obviously there's an F1, a Samsung one. They all have this partnership model, and they use the word partnership a lot. How hard is it to maintain that model, that partnership model, in the current circumstances or over the last 12 months or so? I actually think that the last 12 to 24 months has, has shown us all the importance of partnership, the importance of working with our partners and our, our studio partners or premier partners, as we call them, uh, has been absolutely crucial. We've listened. I, I'm, I'm not here to say that we've got everything right. Of course, we haven't. And supply has not been perfect. But we've listened hard. We've changed our structure in order to maximise the communication. As I say, we put in an um, additional uh, supply specialist to manage that. We also committed to upgrading wherever we can't get supply. Um, and in return for that, of course, we've asked the studios to order and give us more notice wherever we can. Um, we paused on taking on new business for a period of time, but I'm pleased to say we're now open for business. Supply's improving. I'd say if there's any studios out there that are interested in working with AEG, let's talk. Um, you can contact us um, on contact.premierpartner.electrolux.co.uk. We very much see that there's a strong future as things improve now over the, over the next few months. Um, and I think that partnership with our existing um, customers has been absolutely crucial. It's been a two-way street in terms of communication. 
Um, we have a supply forum once a month where actually studios can join that forum and give us feedback, uh, can ask us questions about supply. We give updates on the latest supply. So we're very, very open and transparent where we've got challenges um, and, and where things uh, uh, and where, where supply is actually good. And that means that studios can plan accordingly as well. Um, and I think that transparency and partnership and, and listening has been absolutely crucial to us over the past two years and will continue to be going forwards. Right. You're on holiday, Luke, so I'm going to forgive you that plug. All right. I'm going to let you off because you're, <laughs> you're, on, you're, you're, you're speaking on holiday, so I'll let you have that one. Um, so, look, I mean, and I think it is uh, a very uh, interesting development in the way that everyone describes this as partnership. You know, we did a, a podcast episode a couple of shows ago about displays and, you know, what, what, about the importance of displays and how they work and whether or not you you could display things that you can't supply and i think this whole partnership model a lot that is built on displays you know this is a this is an industry that's built on it but you know has that changed for good a lot of these retailers i've spoken to said that they're not selling off displays at the moment because you know they can't point at products and say they'll definitely be available you know is is, is the model shifting I think uh, displays will continue to be absolutely crucial. And I mean, as a, as a business, we'll continue to commit to an omni-channel approach and we'll support customers as required. For, from my point of view, there's still a definite need for physical retail in the UK market. Um, we're looking to continue working with our studio partners to establish the most effective ways to bring our innovations to life in all environment. And that includes physical showrooms. Um, where we can bring theatre, we can bring experiential retail to life. Um, and I think studios are perfectly placed to do that for us. So absolutely not. We're continuing with display incentives. So we're still incentivizing our uh, studio partners to put displays in place. Um, and as supply recovers, that's going to be even more important for us. Right, okay. I mean, the other big question that's hanging around at the moment is selling direct to consumers. You know, what's your thoughts and feelings on you know premium AEG appliances going direct to consumers? So, look, we will we will take an omni-channel approach. There will always be some consumers that want to come to brand owners uh, and and purchase directly. But I think a retail partner that gives a great service, that gives great advice, that gives great great uh, installation expertise, onboarding. I think absolutely that is a crucial part of our mix uh, and will continue to be going forwards. Um, and that's why we will continue to invest in our studio partners, whether that be through display incentives, whether that be through dedicated ranges, for example, AG Matte Black, which is currently exclusive to the studios, whether it be a special warranty. Um, our studio partners receive the benefit of a five-year warranty, which is exclusive to Premier Partners, or whether that be promotions. For example, right now we're running a thousand, up to a thousand pound cashback. Um, on our appliances that are purchased through studios. So there's specific consumer benefits that are buying through a studio and buying with their kitchen. But you are going to have a facility for buying direct? We've had a facility for um, consumers to buy replacement products direct for some time now. Right. I mean, I guess the, the, 
it's whether or not. I mean, I, I, I get that, believe it or not. I do understand having some kind of facility for that. I guess it's whether you actively go out and promote it. Because, you know, the, the value is in the customer data, isn't it? The value is in the relationship with the consumer and you being able to then market to them other products. I mean, that's pretty straightforward stuff. I don't think anyone would be surprised by that. It's whether or not that channel is, is, is you predict or want that channel to grow to be a significant one within your business or whether it's just a, an avenue for people to buy a replacement. I think the real value is our retail partners that when a, a consumer walks through the door can give them an absolutely outstanding service. And I think that's where the future lies. Um, and I think us supporting that through things such as five-year warranty, dedicated ranges, beautiful products such as AEG Matte Black, cashback promotions, display incentives, um, dedicated supply managers. Uh, we actually steer people through our website to premier partners. So we have a premier partner finder on our AEG website. So those consumers that want to touch and feel and learn about the products can come and find one of our partners. So we actually steer consumers in that direction. I think that's where the real value lies. Well, okay. So I guess the biggest question of all here to wrap it all up is probably the hardest one to answer, which is, when's it all going to get back to normal? What's your <laughs> yeah. predictions? Yeah, look, in terms of our supply, um, we are seeing it improve. We're seeing it improve week on week and month on month. In terms of the overall world getting back to normal, honestly, um, I don't know. We've seen so much change over the, not just the, the pandemic, but also the war um, and supply challenges. But actually, in reality, for us, it doesn't actually really matter because we've learned to deal with the complexity over a variety of different challenges that I've just spoken about over the last few years. Supply is improving even with that complexity. But I've no doubt there's going to be further external market challenges that are thrown at us. If there's one thing I've learned over the past two years, it's to expect the unexpected. But the important, most important element for us is to continue to do business in the right way. And that's in being clear and transparent with our retail partners, how we deal with pricing, stock availability, um, and being absolutely um, clear and transparent with them. And that won't change uh, regardless of the market conditions. Um, we are the brand that customers can safely choose to rely on, um, however those market conditions change. Um, and we'll continue to drive innovation across uh, taste, care, and wellbeing categories. And you'll see more of that at EFA later this year. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see when we get back to normal um, what what lessons from this period will be taken forward into into a long term view. You know whether or not there will be a bit more of a buffer in terms of stock than perhaps there was beforehand because this the, the just in time model was working so seamlessly to build a just in case buffer in because you just don't know, do you? As you say, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what what happens next. But look, Luke, thank you so much for your time being so candid with us. Uh, please go back to your holiday. <laughs> I'm hoping there isn't a shortage of buckets and spades when you eventually get on the beach. I'll buy them direct from the manufacturer. I'm not I'm not going to a shop to buy them. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time and enjoy the rest of your holiday. Thanks, Andrew. Always a pleasure. That was Luke Harding from Electrolux. Really interesting insight, I think, and a proper snapshot of where we are. Now, clearly, I do think he's going to put a pretty positive spin on it, of course, but I do think it's a pretty realistic assessment. So thank you to him for sparing us that time. I don't know about you, but I particularly enjoyed the tooting train whistle in the background, and I did half expect him to start shouting at Seagull for nicking his chips. Don't forget that entry is open for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2023 on September the 1st. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to find out more.
and see you next time.